Dear friend, I'm Dr. David Jeremiah, and I'd like to take a moment to speak with you as the world faces the coronavirus pandemic. There is no question we are living in a time of unprecedented uncertainty. It is unlike anything I have experienced in my whole life. And the temptation in times like these is to allow fear and worry to creep into our thoughts and to rob us of our joy. But in these uncertain times, we need to remember that God is still in control. And my prayer for you is that you are healthy, you're in a safe place and surrounded by those you love. Please keep the ministry of Turning Point in your prayers as well. We will continue to bring the healing power of God's Word to you each day on radio, television, and online. And I really hope this will be a source of encouragement to you during the current coronavirus. So be safe, be in the Word, and be in prayer. Welcome to Turning Point. The Bible has much to say about the single life, and both the married and unmarried can benefit from it to prevent the pain of loneliness. Today, Dr. David Jeremiah shares what the Apostle Paul taught about living a fulfilling life as a single person. As he continues his series, Overcoming Loneliness, here's David to introduce today's eye-opening message, The Lonely Single. Well, thank you so much for joining us. We are studying what it means to deal with loneliness. And today, we're going to talk about um, a subject that affects a lot of people. There are now more than 121 million single adults in the United States, 15 million widowed, 25 million divorced, and 81 million never married. And that tells you that the subject of singleness is is not isolated to just a few people. I live in the city of San Diego, California, which is one of the top uh, places for single people to live. We have many single people that come to our church. So what does the Bible say about it? We've already talked about marriage. We know the Bible is very strong about marriage. God uh, originated marriage. It was his idea. But what about singleness? And all I want to say is uh, that one of the greatest men who ever walked on this earth was single. His name was the Apostle Paul. He has some things to say about it in 1 Corinthians, and we're going to look at that in just a moment. But first, I want to tell you again about this wonderful book that we've created for this particular series. The book is called God Has Not Forgotten You. He is with you even in uncertain times. And this book is uh, 190 pages, hardcover, features 10 chapters providing comfort and encouragement when you may feel alone. It's a great reminder of God's faithfulness during challenging times. So you can get a copy of this book for a gift of any amount to Turning Point during the month of August. When you ask for this resource, we'll send it to you right away. So be sure and get your letter and your gift in the mail as soon as you can and be one of the first to get a copy of this beautiful book that also has a beautiful message. God has not forgotten you. He is with you even in uncertain times. Well, friends, we want to get started with this discussion from 1 Corinthians chapter 7. We'll have a little bit more to say about some other resources at the end of today's program. But right now, let's begin our discussion of the lonely single. One of the great phenomena of our day is the single's explosion in our country. The need for satisfying relationships between these singles 
has caused all kinds of new enterprises to spring up. Included in that group are singles bars, encounter groups, computerized dating services, all of the things associated with flying solo. Not too long ago, a Christian newspaper had an ad in it that read as follows, quote, God did not ordain singleness and loneliness, and the ad urged those people who were reading it to subscribe to a monthly publication through which they would meet other singles on four different continents. In our ministry in Fort Wayne, our singles ministry attracted people from a tri-state area, Michigan, Ohio, and Indiana. It wasn't that we had such a great singles ministry. We had the only singles ministry for miles around. And people, some of them, would drive a hundred miles one way every week just to be a part of that outreach opportunity. We learned during those years of developing that ministry that singles will be reached not necessarily by great programs, for we really didn't know what we were doing, but they are reached by great people who care and who see them as individuals of worth. One older single woman tried to describe how she felt when she came to church every Sunday. She said, I sit in the pew next to a warm body, but I feel no heat. I'm in the faith, but I draw no active love. I sing the hymns with those next to me, but I hear only my own voice. When the service is finished, I leave just as I came in, hungry for the touch of someone, someone to tell me that I'm a person worth something to somebody. Just a smile would do it, perhaps some gesture, some sign that I am not a stranger. Some of you have read some of the writings of Ann Kimmel. We had the joy of having Ann in our church just a few months before we left. I have had the privilege of reading some of her books. They're the most interesting books to read in all of the world. She writes like nobody else I've ever read. She doesn't write in paragraph form or in sentence form. She writes wherever she feels like it on the page. <laughs> While she was there, she gave her testimony, and she talked a little bit about singleness, and she motivated me to want to read one of the books that she uses to describe some of the problems of being single. Because she's such a creative writer and such a descriptive person, she gets at the problem perhaps better than some. She said, the loneliness of being single is being in a group where no one knows where you are coming from. You live at the opposite end of the spectrum from everybody else. And you have not yet come to understand that it's all right to be where you are, that you are still okay that you can relax and learn some things from those around you, but still be true to what you value. She described her loneliness and how she dealt with it. She said, I have learned that in the most still hours, 16 floors up in a strange city hotel or right in my very own apartment, I never really have to be alone. Jesus has been there. You may laugh, she wrote but I talk to him out loud. I even sing to him. And if you know Anne, she's good at that. I know that I can never be alone as long as he is Lord, not as long as there are a few people in the world whom I can trust completely. One day I walked into our singles class because of my burden for that whole group of people. 
And I asked them to write a letter to me when they had an opportunity expressing the difficulties of the single life so that I could try to understand where they were coming from. I thought maybe one or two might write, but the next few days in my life were filled and inundated with letters from single people. Their letters were an eye-opening revelation to me. I'll be surprised if you aren't as surprised as I was because most of us have really been misinformed about their needs. So as we study 1 Corinthians in light of what we know about today's singles, we can learn that though we may be confused about this subject, God isn't. He knows exactly what he wants to say to all of you who are single. And I want all of us to listen carefully because as he talks to you, he's going to be talking to us. The most fundamental discovery I made when I read the letters of my single friends was this. Most of them had it together pretty well. It's all of us who are really messed up. In our relationship to them, there's the problem. Now the first thing that Paul wants to say to those who are single is this. First of all, he says that it's all right to be single. In fact, point number one is this. Single, here's what God says to you about your singleness. Acknowledge it as good. Acknowledge it as good. Three times in the seventh chapter of 1 Corinthians, as Paul is talking about the unmarried, he uses the phrase, it is good. Notice verse 1. Now concerning the things about which you wrote unto me, it is good for a man not to touch a woman. Notice verse 8. I say therefore to the unmarried and the widows, it is good for them if they abide even as I. Verse 26. I suppose therefore that this is good for the present distress. I say that it is good for a man so to be. Literally four times in those three verses. Paul says it's good to be single. Now you say, Pastor Jeremiah, what's so startling about that? Well, what's so startling about that is what I read in the letters from my single friends and the things that they perceive from us who are the body of Christ, who are supposed to be saying to them what God says to them, and they're not getting the message. For many of the singles who sit in our churches perceive of us as viewing them as second-class citizens who have not quite yet arrived. Let a single express it for me. She said, Dear Pastor, I am single. I've never been married. And I really believe some couples and elderly people don't realize the hurt and the grief that sometimes they inflict upon us. I often get these kinds of comments from my Christian friends. Quote, What's a sweet girl like you doing single? Quote, God has just the right man for you somewhere. Here's one I can't believe. Maybe a friend's wife will die. That's in the letter. What's wrong with you? What's wrong with the guys in this world that they haven't discovered you yet? Maybe your standards are too high for a mate. And this is the most pious of all, quote, unquote. I prayed for my husband. All you have to do is pray. And some of you girls know that hasn't worked for you, has it? <laughs> then my friend who wrote this letter to me asked this very sensitive question. She said, 
quote, why can't people be more sensitive to us where we are? Everything in the church seems to be geared for couples, even in our churches, Valentine's banquets, Christmas banquets, overnight retreats, trips, everything revolves around husband and wife and parent and child and teen. But I'm single. What about me? I know there are advantages to being single, but if one more person tells me how cheap it is to live singly, I think I'll scream. <laughs> they don't realize that we singles have just as many bills and payments as those who have husband, wife, or family. And it's because of this kind of an attitude described by a single person in a good church that we need to give our attention to what Paul says about being single. He says what? It is good. And translated into the vernacular of today, the word good there means it's morally acceptable. It's okay. You're okay. You're all right. Because that's what God says. You don't have to be different than you are to be approved by the Lord. If you're single, acknowledge it as good. Are you ready for number two? Accept it as a gift from God. You're saying, Jeremiah, who are you kidding? You bring me a man and then talk to me about a gift from God. <laughs> I guess we can all identify with the unknown woman who wrote these words to describe the kind of gift she was seeking from God. And she wrote it so very biblically. It's one of my favorite little pieces of dog grill. It goes like this. Oh, unknown man whose rib I am. <laughs> Why don't you come for me? A lonely, homesick rib I am that would with others be. I want to wed, now there tis said. I won't deny and fib. I want my man to come at once and claim his rib. <laughs> Some men have thought that I'd be theirs, but only for a bit. We found out soon it wouldn't do. We didn't seem to fit. There's just one place, the only space I'll fit. I will not fib. I want that man to come at once and claim his rib. <laughs> oh, don't you sometimes feel a lack? A new rib needed there? It's I. Do come and get me soon before I have gray hair. <laughs> come get me, dear. I'm homesick here. I want and I'll not fib. I want my man to come at once and claim his rib. <laughs> Some of you know what that's all about. And when I talk about being single as a gift from God, you're thinking about this kind of a gift, aren't you? But God has a gift for you, and I want you to follow me closely as I read verse 7. Notice what it says. For I would that all men were even as myself, but every man hath his proper gift of God. One after this manner and one after that manner. And the Living Bible translates that word this way. God gives some the gift of husband and wife, and others he gives the gift of being able to stay happily unmarried. It is a gift from God. So being married is a gift from God, and being single is a gift from God. And what you need to do if you happen to be single is to accept what you are as one of God's gifts to you. The book of Matthew chapter 19 and verse 12 reads this way, For there are some eunuchs who were so born from their mother's womb, and there are some eunuchs who were made eunuchs by men, 
and there are eunuchs who have made themselves eunuchs for the kingdom of heaven's sake. He that is able to receive it, let him receive it. And in that verse, we're told that there are three reasons why men were eunuchs in the New Testament times. One was a physical reason, one was a medical reason, and one was a spiritual reason. And the text literally says that there were some who committed themselves to a celibate single life for the kingdom of God's sake. The church of Jesus Christ, as it is actively involved across this nation and around this world, would be impoverished if the great single leaders whom God has raised up would have been pulled out and had not given themselves to all of us. One of the greatest missionaries in the annals of missionary history was a man by the name of David Brainerd. He carried on a missionary endeavor that was so intensive and so demanding of his life that it took him out of this world long before his time. And his ministry was of such a nature that had he had a family, had he been married, he never could have accomplished what God called him to do. Notice thirdly now, allow it for your growth. Allow it for your growth. Verses 26 and 27 are most interesting. Here is apostolic advice to the unmarried. Verse 26, I suppose therefore that this is good for the present distress. I say that it is good for a man so to be. Art thou bound unto a wife? Seek not to be loosed. Art thou loosed from a wife? Seek not a wife. What is Paul saying? That you can't look for a partner? That you can't seek for a mate? Absolutely not. It's not wrong to seek marriage, but it is wrong to let that search dominate your life. It is wrong to let that pursuit be the only thing you think about. And when Paul says, seek not, he is simply saying this. There is something that you need to take knowledge of as a single person, and that is the most important thing in your life is not that you find a partner. For maybe in your present situation, God is trying to teach you a concept. He's trying to cause you to grow in a way that you could never grow as you become content with where you are in God's plan for your life right now. Let me say something to you single people. There is something far worse than the loneliness of being single, and that is the misery of marital discord. You get married to the wrong person because you can't wait for God's plan to be put into operation, and you rush headlong in to put your plan into operation, and you'll discover that you will long for the day of loneliness as a single because of the misery in your own life. We must not make marriage the supreme goal of our lives, putting all of our energy into finding a mate. The Bay Area Guardian, there was an illustration of how some people just live and breathe for that one thing in their lives. In fact, in that particular paper, there were 60 ads like the one I'm about to share with you, advertising for a mate. This one by a very marriage-hungry man. I quote, The greatest compliment to me by a woman was the statement that I was the most non-chauvinistic man she had ever met. Unfortunately, she was not committed to a long-term relationship with the future. I am seeking a caring relationship with a non-smoking, very attractive, extremely sensual, highly intelligent, quite independent, well-proportioned, high-energy woman under 36 years of mental and physical age who has a strong sense of 
self who is able to laugh easily and is free of traditional sexist expectations vis-a-vis -vis her friend lover. You are offered intellectual stimulation, mutual respect, open honesty, adequate space, human closeness, growth reinforcement, emotional support, sexual gratification, ideological compatibility, a wide range of fun activities, flying, sailing, etc., and a very busy, high energy, well-educated, financially secure, 5 foot 10, 167 pound, attractive, sensitive, intelligent, huggable, humorous, serious, 44-year-old man. <laughs> Now, all I can say about that fella is, he wants to get married. <laughs> and that's the only thing that occupies his attention. He lives and breathes every day to get married. And God says to the Christian, who may not happen to be married, listen, if God has a mate for you, he knows about that. Don't take things into your own hands. God says you can use this situation in your life as a time of growth. I think the young lady who wrote this little note to me understood this truth better than I can express it. She said, Dear Pastor, basically, I'm content at being single. I do hope the Lord has marriage in my future. Personally, I'd rather be married than single. But for now, I know the Lord loves me, and I know that He has me single. Trusting in Him, waiting on Him, and His plan is difficult, but I know that He is my rock. And that's more important to me than being married. Please pray for me, Pastor. Listen to this. Please pray that every day there will be less of me and more of Christ in my life. You see, she understood what it was like to take her situation and allow it for growth. Not to be seeking what God might not have for her in that time frame, but to let that situation be God's tool in her life for her own maturity in the things of God. Allow it for your growth. If we could just relax in what God has for us, how much better it would be. Then I want you to notice, fourthly, we are to acknowledge it as good and accept it as a gift and allow it for growth. And here's number four. You got this? Activate it for God. Activate your singleness for God. Now I want you to look at verses 32 and 35 where we see this principle. Paul says, I would have you without care. He that is unmarried careth for the things that belong to the Lord, how he may please the Lord. But he that is married careth for the things that are of the world, how he may please his wife. Verse 35. And this I speak for your own profit, not that I may cast a snare upon you, but for that which is seemly, and that ye may attend upon the Lord without distraction. Now what is Paul saying? He is saying this, that the single person is free from the stress and the strain of marital life, of family life. I say that in the most positive way. I say that every child you have adds a new dimension to the stress and the strain of family life. And all Paul is saying is this, when you're married, you care for the things of the family. That's your priority. You must do that. If I don't minister to my family, I have no right to minister to the things of the Lord in the church. That's my priority system. 
What he's pointing out here in this text that if you do not happen to be married, then you do not have the stress and the strain and the responsibility of a family. And so what happens is you can give yourself totally to God and totally to the Lord and totally to his ministry. And you can activate your singleness for the things that have eternal importance as it relates to the kingdom of God. Well, that's not the whole story. That's part of the story. And that's one of the things that Paul says that we should take note of. We'll have more about this tomorrow as we continue our discussion of loneliness and, in particular, the lonely single. You know, one of the ways to uh, deal with loneliness is to be with other people. So let me encourage you to join us in Florida and in Texas in the month of October as we come to do events there. October the 5th, we're going to be in Tampa, Florida at the Yingling Center. And October the 7th in Jacksonville, Florida at the Star Veterans Memorial Arena. October the 26th in Houston, Texas at the Berry Center. And October the 28th in Fort Worth, Texas at Dickey's Arena. We are really excited about these events. We haven't had any events for over a year now. And so we're coming back and we hope you will come and Make these some very special moments. You'll be reminded of how many people there are in your community who love the Lord Jesus Christ. You'll be encouraged just by the crowd. And then to worship with so many people under the leadership of Michael Sanchez and our band and to open the Bible and hear the Word of God and to see it up on a big screen, which is a part of this year's tour. So I hope you'll get your tickets. They're available at davidjeremiah.org slash tour. The tickets are free, but friends, you need to have a ticket. It's the only way we can control the arenas. They're demanded by the arenas themselves. So help us by getting your request for tickets in as early as possible and then plan to come with a lot of friends and join us for one of these four events. We'll see you right here tomorrow. For more information on Dr. Jeremiah's current series, Overcoming Loneliness, please visit our website where you'll also find two free ways to help you stay connected, our monthly magazine, Turning Points, and our daily email devotional. Sign up today at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. That's davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. Or call us at 800-946-4300. Ask for your copy of David's reassuring new book, God Has Not Forgotten You a comforting reminder that God is working all things together for your good. It's yours for a gift of any amount. You can also download the free Turning Point mobile app for your smartphone or tablet, or search in your app store for the keywords Turning Point Ministries to access our programs and resources. Get all the details when you visit our website at davidjeremiah.org radio. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us tomorrow as we continue the series, Overcoming Loneliness, here on Turning Point with Dr. David Jeremiah. Have you ever wondered what your legacy will be? The Jeremiah Legacy Society from Turning Point was created for friends of the ministry who feel called to partner with Dr. David Jeremiah to deliver the unchanging Word of God to future generations we can ensure that the impact we have reaches beyond our days here on earth. Visit our website at davidjeremiahgift.org to learn more about how you can be a part of the Jeremiah Legacy Society. Anyone who has ever been a teacher knows that teaching others is the best way to become confident about what you believe. When you teach others, you teach yourself. 
When you convince others, you convince yourself. When you persuade others, you become persuaded yourself. The most confident, mature Christians I know are those who are involved in building up others in the faith. They teach Sunday school or a Bible study or lead a small group or are involved in evangelism or discipling their own children. The best way to remain strong in your faith is to make others strong with what you believe. This is David Jeremiah encouraging you to get on the road to new life. Discover God's blessings on teachers on Route 66. Route 66, driving the word home. Log on to Route66life.com. Start your journey home today.